Good evening and welcome to midweek service of the Staten Island and Brooklyn regions of the New York City Church of Christ. It's always great to see everybody and uh, I hope you're having a great week. If you're visiting with us tonight, welcome to church. We're glad that you've decided to join us. I announced this um, last week uh, very quickly. This is what the rest of the year looks like. December 18th, we're going to have our Christmas program. The same thing for the ministry in Staten Island. Uh, December 25th, we're going to have an in-person Christmas service at uh, 88 Hansen Place. I believe Staten Island will meet in house churches. And then on December 28th, I need us all to mark this down. There will be no midweek service. December 28th, there will be no midweek service. I want us to spend awesome times with our families and, uh, and get ready to usher in the new year. And then the new year, um, January 1st, Sunday service will be by Bible talk via Zoom. Uh, but if you want to meet in person in your Bible talk, uh, I'm going to leave that to the Bible talk leaders. That's entirely up to you. That's okay too. And then January 4th, we'll have our first Zoom midweek service back together. January 8th will be our first service back in person uh, for both ministries for um, Brooklyn at 11 o'clock that Sunday morning and uh, 2 p.m. in the afternoon for the ministry out in Staten Island. Uh, January 11th, we'll have a Zoom financial workshop for both ministries uh, led by Bobby Ritter, our chief financial officer. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, January 18th, we'll, we'll, we will start our five-week uh, midweek series on the book of Revelation taught by Gordon Ferguson. And so um, Tim Austin is helping putting the flyer together. He immediately puts it together. I will send that out so that we can start inviting our friends. It's going to be tremendous. Again, I encourage you to go ahead and read the book of Revelation. Don't try and make sense out of it. It's okay. Uh, just read it so that when God starts to break it down, you know, it will make a lot of sense. But uh, it's, uh, it's a fantastic book. And... Uh, Get ready to be encouraged. Over the last three months, um, tonight, I'm going to continue in our series that we've been doing for the last three months, The Call to Follow Jesus. As we read in the Gospels, we always find Jesus calling people to something. And uh, we're bringing this uh, series to an end. We're bringing it for a landing. Uh, we're not gonna, it's not going to attend to the next day. I can assure you that. Okay? But I hope that uh, as we've gone through all these different topics, it has caused you to take a deeper look at Jesus. We must always remember that he is the one that called us and brought us into his church. And so tonight, uh, we're going to talk about something else. But, uh, you know, these are some of the things that we've covered. Uh, I didn't put the whole list on the screen. You know, the first thing I talked about was the call to follow Jesus. Then at some point, we talked about the call to declare God's praises, to trust and believe in God, to be kind, to love one another. I believe we did that over two lessons. To be humble also was two lessons. To be God's people, to encourage others. Excuse me, to be God's family. I believe I just did that. Um, to encourage others and to be encouraged, to always give thanks, to comfort others, to rejoice always, to obey God, um, to prepare God, to prepare for Jesus' return, to help the poor and the needy, to holiness, to persevere and finish the race and so on. But it's all on our website. If you want to go listen to any of them, uh, that would be awesome. Tonight, I want to talk to us very quickly about the call to rise. The call to rise. In John chapter 5, beginning verse 24. In John chapter 5, verse 24 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes me, 
who sent me has eternal life. I will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of, God, of Man. Do not be amazed at this. For time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. I want us to imagine hearing this as Jesus uttered these words over 2,000 years ago. I don't know about you, there are many moments when I read my Bible and I go, did he just say that? And I need to read that again. Where, where you look at a person, when you look at the person next to you, even sometimes at church, and you give him a hard look of, did you just hear that? Is that what the Bible just said? I believe this is one of those moments for the, the audience that was listening to him when he said this. Remember, Jesus was preaching live. And obviously back then, they didn't have the benefit of instant replay. You know, he would, he would preach and he would say stuff. And I'm sure as people are hearing this, they're sitting there astonished, like, what? Did he just say that? He says, the dead will hear my voice and rise up to live. You and I obviously are reading these verses and these words 2,000 years later. Verse 28 says, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good, excuse me, those who have done what is good will rise to live and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Some people believe that, you know, you can do enough good to go to heaven. And this is the passage they try and use. But obviously, when you and I go study this stuff out in context, that's not what it's saying. Because we have so many passages that talk about nobody is good except God alone. So you and I cannot do enough good to deserve to go to heaven. That's not what he's talking about. I know some people believe that and they want to build a whole theology around this. That if you do a lot of good, you'll end up in heaven. If you're, if you're good at ways you're evil, then you're going to heaven. The Bible never teaches that. You and I are saved by God's grace. We can never do enough good to deserve to go to heaven. Okay. At the end, brothers and sisters, there are only two final scenarios. For us today, we hear and see the words of Jesus in the Bible. And as we talk about the call to rise tonight, I must ask, whose voice do you listen to every day as you live life? Is this still Jesus' voice that you're listening to? Or have you allowed the devil to creep in there and you're listening to the voice of the devil, quote-unquote, the world, those are the only two choices that you and I have. But it says here that the day is coming when everyone will hear his voice, some will rise to live forever, and some will rise to be condemned. 
you know how it is when I remember as a kid, my mother would call my name. This was way before I became Richard. Okay, Richard was a name I gave myself, quote unquote, when I became Catholic. But she would call me Dapo, which is my middle name. And I would pretend that, like I didn't hear her. And she would call me again. And then I'll say, yes, mommy. And then I'll show up. And she would say to me, did you hear me calling you? Sometimes I lied. And sometimes I told the truth. And I'll say, yeah, I heard you. I was, you know, I was doing this or whatever. We have kids that also do that. I'm sure some of your kids have done that. Where you will call their name and they pretend like they didn't hear you. And then you have to call out to them again. It tells us in this passage that Jesus' voice, everybody's going to hear it. Even the dead will hear it. You know, today, if you walk into a court of law, if you sue somebody or somebody sues you, or maybe you're just there to support whoever is in there, you know, when the, at some point, you know, uh, before the judge walks in, the bailiff would say, all right. And uh, everybody stands up and the judge will say, to be you, you may be seated. Okay, everybody obeys that voice by standing, obviously, except for people that are in a wheelchair or something. But you are meant to obey when the belief says, all rise. When Jesus's voice comes on at the end, everybody's going to hear it. Okay, and so tonight I want us to look at some examples where Jesus told people to rise. These are three quick examples. In Mark chapter five, beginning in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Darius, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithakum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Some translations say, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. This is Jesus telling a preteen girl to rise up from the dead. Again, I want you to imagine the scene. Obviously, kids are meant to grow up into adults and die at old age. And this young girl, we're not told why she got sick, but in the story, she's dead. This is not a parable. Okay? And... Jesus was told to come and heal her. As a matter of fact, on the way, if you go read uh, the earlier part of this chapter, that's where the lady who had been suffering from a blood disease for so many years went and touched his garment. And so she kind of delayed, quote unquote, Jesus from getting to Jairus' house. But nevertheless, when Jesus shows up, there's a huge commotion. I like the fact where he says, he just put them all out. I say, you know, guys, get, get out of here. He just put them all out and took the parents with Peter, James, and John, and he looked at the girl, looked at the dead body, and says, little girl, I say to you, arise, get up. And the girl got up. 
Okay? Jesus speaks to the dead girl. The dead girl heard him say, get up. And she got up and she arose. Now, I don't know about you. That's power. Okay? If this happened today, there will be reporters at this household wanting an interview with the parents, with, you know, people that were around with Jesus and Peter, James, and John, and say, hey, and they will, they will want to interview the little girl and say, tell us what it was like before you came back. If I was a journalist, I know that's what I want to know. But you see, Jesus raised this preteen girl and told her to arise. Another example where Jesus said, arise, was to Lazarus in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 40. Then Jesus said, he's talking to Martha now, when he arrives at the home um, of uh, Mary and Martha. He said, did I, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Again, here it is here. He said, Lazarus, arise, get up. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Okay, he looked, I'm sure he looked like a mummy. All right, Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. We're told in this story that Lazarus had been dead for a few days. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. He wanted this just one guy. Okay? You know, I would like to think that the other dead people over there go, man, he didn't call my name. I wish he would call my name. But one day he's going he's, he's gonna to call your name. He's going to call my name. Okay? You know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a TV program that comes on in the mornings at 11 o'clock at CBS. It's been a while since I watched it. It's called The Price is Right. And one of the things I love about The Price is Right is how they call the contestants down in the beginning. They'll call your name, you know, Pat Cumberbatch, come on down. And people are, and they're, they have this music playing and people are coming down and giving high fives and they're excited. You know, and they'll call somebody else's name. Bloody James, come on down. You know, and uh, it's funny. When I'm watching that program a lot of times, I can guess the prices. Uh, and, uh, but the idea of being on television and somebody calling my name and everybody's watching, it's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Um, but anyway, Lazarus heard the voice of Jesus. Lazarus heard his name being called by Jesus. Brothers and sisters, Jesus' voice goes beyond the grave. That's incredible to me. That's power. He's the only voice that dead people hear and respond to. You say, how is that possible? Because he's God. Not only did Jesus tell a preteen girl to arise, not only did Jesus tell Lazarus to rise, he also said this about, about himself. In John 11, verse 25, a passage we are all very familiar with, Jesus said to her, just before he raised Lazarus, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. Jesus has said, you know what? Throughout the Gospels, by the way, I'm going to die. And after three days, 
I'm going to rise. I'm, I'm going to come back. I will rise up again. I will rise from the dead. So he's actually saying, because he's the resurrection and the life, that you know what? Not only can I raise humans, I'm going to raise myself. Now, raising the dead wasn't something he just did. It was who he was. Because it says here in this passage, in one of the seven I am statements that he makes about himself in the Gospel of John, is I am the resurrection. The same name. When Jesus, excuse me, when Moses was asking God, uh, when he encountered God in the burning bush, in the book of Exodus, that you know what, what if I go back to the people and say, and they ask me, what's, what's your name? What should I tell them? He says, tell them I am sent you. And Jesus is saying, I am. In other words, I am that God. And I am the resurrection and the life. You can write this reference down. John chapter 10, verses 14 to 18. But I'll read it to you. John chapter 10, verses 14 to 18. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life, watch this. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I believe that's talking about us Gentiles. Because remember, he's talking to the Jews at this point. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And, they, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus didn't just have power to raise others, but to raise himself. He tells us in John 10, now, you know what? I laid down my life voluntarily. And I can take it up again. And that's exactly what he did. This is divine power right here. Okay? This is the God you spoke to today. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we, we, we read his word every day. Okay? Remember, when they killed him, Pilate had his tomb secured. Because he had been saying, I'm going to rise from the dead. And so, you know, some people say, you know what? He's been saying this. Let's go secure that tomb. And they rolled a huge stone in front of it. Just in case. You know what? He tried to get out. But obviously, you know, an angel came and rolled the stone away. And obviously he rose just, just like he had said. And he predicted. Okay? And so, the Bible does give us and call us to rise up. In the scriptures. And so tonight, very quickly, I want to make three quick points about things we need to rise from tonight. Number one, we need to rise from the dead spiritually. We need to rise from the dead spiritually. I'm just going to be using three passages and um, I wanted to go cross-reference them. Okay. The rise, excuse me, the call to rise from the dead spiritually. In Romans chapter six, beginning verse one. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, watch this, we will certainly also be united with him 
in the resurrection like this, like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Again, I remember reading this passage about 36 years ago and saying to myself, I'm not a Christian. Not according to what I just read. Believe me, when I tell you I went to church on Sundays, I believed in God. I'd even been immersed in water twice prior to reading this. But for the first time, I understood what baptism meant. It was as if somebody took the scales off my eyes. I understood that baptism was a death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus. I also understood, as I read this passage, that only someone who had decided to fully follow Jesus, in other words, who had made the decision to be one of his disciples, should be baptized. I also had understood, now you know what? Just getting baptized doesn't mean anything because I had not repented of my sins. I was still living in sin. And I realized that, you know what? Now I get it. This is what baptism means. That I'm going to die with Christ. I'm going to be buried with Christ. And I'm going to rise to newness of life. Brothers and sisters, we are all sinful beings. We all sin. Now, prayerfully, we're not sinning deliberately. Saying, well, you know, I'm a Christian anyhow, so let me just go sin and I'll, I'll confess it and I'll ask for forgiveness. No, 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 you don't get it. You don't understand what, you don't understand what grace is. If, if that is the cycle you're still living in. Okay? We all know what the sin cycle is. You know, I shouldn't do this. Then we go ahead and do it. And then we say, I'll never do that again. And then we go to the cycle again. But you see, Jesus, you and I were baptized into Christ so that we can break that sin cycle. Because we are saved, when we sin, we can confess it, we need to confess it, we need to repent of it, and we need to continue to live and stay on the narrow path. We need to continue to live in newness of life. Brothers and sisters, we need to rise from the dead spiritually and break out from this sin cycle. We need to mature and grow up as Christians. We need to leave the elementary teachings and rise up and become everything God wants us to be. That is why you and I are still on this earth until Christ is formed in us. You and I day by day are being renewed from the inside out. Outwardly, the Bible says we're wasting away. But inwardly, we are being renewed into the image of Christ. Are you still struggling with the same stuff you were struggling with five years ago? Are you still struggling with the same stuff you were struggling with in January? Here we are in December. We need to be more mature. We need to continue to grow. Again, those of us that are parents, we understand the, the concept of growth. Our parents, excuse me, our kids grow up physically and even emotionally and, spirit, and, 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 and emotionally. They're growing. They're meant to be growing. If they're not growing, if they're stagnant, there's, there's something wrong. The same thing is true spiritually. 
We need to grow in our walk with God because we're going to, we, we've already been raised with Christ. And the Bible says that when he comes back, we're going to be just like him. Amen? We need to rise from the dead spiritually and break out from this sin cycle. Our baptism helps us do this. Believe it or not, every baptism is a resurrection. That's what it is. That's why heaven rejoices over every sinner that truly repents. That's what it says in Luke 15. In the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost son. When somebody turns back from sin and turns towards God, man, there's a huge party going on in heaven. And that's what baptism is. Every baptism is a resurrection. But we need to rise spiritually. Amen? Now, you may be here tonight visiting and you say, you know, I don't understand all this baptism stuff. I encourage you to talk to the person that invited you and study it out. It's not complicated. It's actually very simple to understand. The issue, though, is are, are we ready to totally surrender our lives to God? Because baptism, excuse me, the Bible teaches very clearly that is baptism is not just a symbol. It's dying with Jesus, being buried with Jesus, and raised to live a new life. We were driving south towards Miami on I-95, and we turned around, and we started heading north, and we're going towards Maine. That's what becoming a Christian is. And so I encourage you to, to get in there and find out what this really means. The second point I want to make tonight, very quickly, is rise from the dead emotionally. Rise from the dead emotionally. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning verse 8, Paul writes, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of men. Brothers and sisters, Paul went through a lot as a Christian. And uh, the challenges he faced as he went about in his day preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and telling people to, to turn their lives around. When we compare the, the, the challenges and the pressures that he faced compared to what we and I are going through today, this is nothing. To me, our lives compared to what some of our first century brothers and sisters went through is, is a walk in the park. Yes, we have our own challenges. And those things can mess us up emotionally and even sometimes physically. But you see, these challenges that you and I face, 
should get us to rely on God like never before. Like I said on Sunday, the Christian life is not for the faint-hearted. It's hard. It's challenging. If the Christian life was easy, everybody would be living this. The Bible never teaches that life will be easy. Again, I want to remind us that we live in a fallen world. The opposite is actually true. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a guarantee. But he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. You and I are able to overcome the world through Jesus. But we need to rise from the dead emotionally. Because events happen in life. I have good days, just like you. And guess what? I have challenging days, just like you. What do I do, though? I don't let those things throw me off emotionally. I allow those challenges to turn me to God. And God has never let me down. Brothers and sisters, if Jesus can raise the dead, he can help you through whatever it is you're going through. Remember, scripture teaches that no, no temptation has, has, excuse me, uh, no temptation has happened to you unless only, only what is common to man. And so whatever it is I'm going through, whatever it is you're going through, God knows you can handle it. Because if you couldn't handle it, it won't come your way. I called a brother today who has been dealing with a situation for the last two and a half years. He had sent me a text yesterday and I saw it very late. And I said, okay, I'm gonna call him today and just encourage him. My heart just went out to him. He was in the car with his wife. And so I encouraged them both. Just tell him to hang in there. And one of the last things I said to them was, this storm too will pass. I said, I've been praying for you and I will continue to pray for you. But I said, this storm too will pass. It's taking a toll on him. And then I hung up with him. And then my phone rang about 30 minutes later. Another brother, you know, was going through some stuff. And again, I just encouraged him. Because Satan is relentless. Satan doesn't stop. The devil never stops. But we can't allow all these challenges, we can't allow all these things that you and I are going through on a daily basis to throw us off emotionally. We need to rely on God. We need to pick up the phone and call somebody. And sometimes it can just be, hey, bro, can we pray together? Sister, can we pray together? I, I, I'm going through some stuff. That's okay. That's why we have each other. You're not meant to go through this on your own. There are times when, I, you know, things are getting to me and I pick up the telephone. And I pray with two or three or four, or four different people. Because I need that help. I know you also need that help. The pressures of life are real and they are ongoing. I mean, here we are. I mean, my goodness, Christmas is a few weeks away. I don't know about you. This period can be very stressful. You got to be very careful. You know, I was telling Sarah the other day, I said, boy, we need, we need to go take a picture so that we can, you know, make Christmas cards and everything. And then uh, I, be, I believe it was yesterday, we are, we're having a discipline time with a couple and she was showing them a picture we are taking 
a few weeks ago and I said, wait a second, that thing looks good. That's the printer we're going to use. And that's exactly what I did this morning. You know, I pulled it to Walgreens and, you know, printed a bunch of, of pictures and, you know, you know, those Christmas cards. And so I'm, I'm, I'm set to go. And, you know, I still need to buy, you know, gifts and, and stuff like that. But, you know, this, this period can be very stressful. But we can't let it throw us off emotionally. We need to rely on God. Even as we, as, as, as we, as we celebrate, you know, this season with our family and our loved ones. And finally, very quickly, we need to rise from the dead eternally. We need to rise from the dead eternally. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning verse 13, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who, have, who sleep in, the, in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who are falling asleep. For the dead himself, excuse me, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This verse tells us to focus on our eternity with God. What is eternity? We're talking about time without beginning or end. That's what eternity is is our minds cannot really grasp this because you and I live in, in, a, in, a, in a finite space. For us, everything has a beginning and everything has an end. Today started at midnight and in the next few hours, it's going to end. You know, today, January, excuse me, December 7th will be over. Then tomorrow is going to be a new day. You and I live in a, in a finite world. Eternity is above that. But it tells us in this passage that if one day, even though physically dead, we will, we will hear the, the trumpet call of God. You say, Richard, what is that? I have no idea. It hasn't happened yet. How am I supposed to know what that is? But I, I do know one thing. It's going to be spectacular. It's going to be mind-blowing. And even the dead will hear it. It's going to be awesome. That I know. When that trumpet sounds, everything is going to change. When that trumpet sounds, the trumpet call of God, you are going to be glad you persevered through this life. When that trumpet sounds, you are going to be thankful that you didn't turn your back on God. When that trumpet sounds, you are going to be thankful that yes, we struggled and we failed. That every time you decided to get up and you decided to stay on that straight and narrow path. And it tells us that, you know what? We should encourage each other with these words. People often say to me that you talk about heaven too much. And first of all, 
The reason for that is because of passages like this. For me, thinking about heaven and what you and I are about to experience on the other side is what helps me makes this existence tolerable. It really does. Because I know that, you know what, one day this is going to be over. It's like reading a book. You know, you start in, you know, the first chapter and it is one of those books that you can't put down, you know, you want, you want to read through the whole thing. And then at the end of it, it's like, boops, I'm done, the end. One day, our lives will come to an end. But you see, the dead will rise physically. You and I are going to rise physically because we're, we're following Jesus. Okay? And it says you, we need to encourage each other with these words. This kind of words should give us hope. It should give us peace. It should give us joy. Knowing that something incredible awaits us when we depart from this world. One day we will live eternally. We will rise eternally. Never to die again. He said, Richard, what does that feel like? I don't know. But I'm waiting to find out, just like you. Now, if you're not a Christian tonight, I'm appealing to you to get into the scriptures. To find out what eternal life is all about. Because this is going to happen. Okay? We are all going to hear this trumpet call. You know, if we're dead by then, we're going to hear it. And the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. In other words, if it happened tonight, Abraham, Moses, Joseph, my homeboy, Marva, all those guys that have gone before us will rise first. And then the Bible tells us that we are going to join them in the air. It's going to be awesome. Okay? You're going to be like Iron Man. The only difference is you're not going to need any machines or any kind of you know, rockets to keep you going. And to raise you up. You're just going to rise. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be something else. And the Bible tells us that to encourage one another with these words. Jesus is calling us to rise. And to rise up. And so. I hope that I pray that this lesson has been encouraging tonight. In our breakout rooms. I want, I, I want us to share about what you are looking forward to on the other side, okay? Now, I know some of you have to go to work and you, 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 you go to bed and you log off very quickly, you know? Uh, don't get off the, 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 um, the, the, uh, the Zoom just to go watch video games or to go watch some TV program. I want you to stay behind and I want you to share about what you're looking forward to on the other side. That's what I want us to do in our breakout rooms tonight. I hope this has been helpful. I love you guys. I'll see you guys on Sunday in, um, in Brooklyn at 11 o'clock. And I'm also going to see my brothers and sisters in Staten Island because I'm coming to preach for you guys this Sunday at 2 o'clock. God bless you all.